let it be. This is the end. For me, it's the beginning of life. Reportedly, that's the last words, or pretty much the last words, of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Words that he said to a fellow prisoner just before the Gestapo took him away in the Flossenburg, Germany concentration camp there on April the 9th of 1945 for his role that he played in supposedly a plot against Hitler. He said, this is the end. But for me, the beginning of life. The Lutheran pastor, the leader of the confessing church, the great writer and theologian that we've come to love, he died there at age 39. And it seemed that that question that Bonnie has indicated here and Jesus has talked about to the disciples, who do you say that I am, was really playing a particular importance upon his mind. In fact, it was the question that was really pressing upon him. Who is it that Jesus really is? Who is he? And you know, the answer to that question proved to be very decisive for Bonhoeffer, and that question remains just as decisive for us in our post-Christian world, in our post-Continentian world, in our post-modern world, as it was for Bonhoeffer in his totalitarian world of Nazi Germany. And without a doubt, it is the most pressing question that you'll ever answer. After all, it's the most debated question, maybe some could say of all time, ever since Jesus came on the scene with his public ministry and he started preaching. He ushered in the kingdom of God there in Matthew chapter 4 and 17, and people started asking this question, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Now, this is not an academic question, nor is it a philosophical exercise, but really it's a central question of all of life. Who is Jesus to you? It's a question you must say commands your attention. To be a follower of Christ is not really about the church that you attend. It's not the kind of worship style you prefer or the denominational affiliation you cling to. But to be a follower of Christ, you see, really is one who has to answer that question, who is Jesus to you. Now, throughout the New Testament, we find this was on display before us. If you stop and think about it, time and time again, even from the beginning, we know in Luke chapter 7, John the Baptist, he was in prison at the time, and yet he sends a couple of disciples back to Jesus, raising the question, as you find there in Luke 7, 19, are you the one who is to come, or should we be looking for another person? Are you really the Messiah? Are you the Christ? John the Baptist asked. Who are you, Jesus? We know on yet another occasion, you remember the story when Jesus and the disciples, they were in the boat, they were on the Sea of Galilee, and all of a sudden this fierce storm comes up. And it must have been a doozy because the disciples are fearing for their life and they're like, what should we do? And Jesus evidently is asleep of all things there in the back of the boat. And they decide, let's go wake him up. And maybe they were just wanting to let him know that, hey, you're about to die. Or maybe in the back of their minds, they were thinking maybe he can do something about this. But nevertheless, they wake Jesus up. 
He gets up out of a stupor and he speaks to the wind and the waves and immediately it all halts. And you can just imagine what must have been going through the minds of those disciples. Who is this guy that even the sea obey him? Even the gale force winds stop. Even before Jesus' crucifixion there in Matthew's gospel, chapter 27, he is standing before Pontius Pilate. And there, Pontius Pilate is starting to wonder, who is this guy? And he says to them, him there in the text, are you really the king of the Jews? Everywhere Jesus went, people were asking this question, who are you? Who is this guy? And I'm telling you, this makes a big difference for everybody today. Who is Jesus to you? Now, the National Oceanic Survey, the federal agency whose job it is to really locate the exact position of every point in the U.S., uses that scientifically recognized reference point, this disc on Meade's Ranch, which, as I understand, is in north-central um, Kansas, where the 39th parallel really crosses the 90th to 80th meridian running from Canada to Rio Grande. And all ocean liners and commercial planes really come under the survey and the government can't build a dam or a bridge or launch a missile without the agency really telling them the exact location right down to the very inch where this thing's gonna go. For using location by approximation can be absolutely disastrous. I mean, just using any other kind of reference point can be really costly and if not, greatly dangerous. And frankly, I find it seems today in this world in which we are gauging, everybody has a different reference point. Everybody's moral compass is set to something else. They're using their own view of reality. And what we need is a universal reference point. And this is what Jesus came to do and say, I am the son of God, but who do you say that I am? So we're beginning the series here on this side of Easter called I Am, where we're confronting everybody with the question, who is Jesus to you? Is Jesus who he said he really was? Is Jesus the son of God? Or is he somebody else for you? And during this I Am series, we're calling upon you to set your compass, to set your reference point, to plant your feet upon the person of Jesus Christ. And is Jesus really the Lord of your life? How you answer that question, how do you respond to that, really makes all the difference in the world. Everything depends on your answer. Your relationship to God is largely determined by your attitude. We ask this question because it's been ringing in the conscience of some two millennia. Humanity, who is Jesus? It's the same question, certainly, that the disciples were asking. It's the same question there that the religious leaders we're kind of asking, once Jesus forgave that paralytic, the question continues to come up, and especially in our day, who is Jesus to you? Now, it's interesting, this backdrop, where we find Jesus here in Matthew 16, venturing into this area known as Caesarea Philippi. And of course, this is the area here where it was kind of named after Caesar and Caesar's son, Philippi. He named this place here, Philip. Uh, Caesarea and Philippi. And the region was known for this strong identification with all kinds of Baal worship. About 14 different temples 
were erected here. And it, it's an interesting area. This is the, the shrine, the place of Pan. Peneus is here, this agricultural god, this, the shrine. Herod the Great had built a temple there to Caesar Augustus. So it's an area where there's all kinds of strange things that people are worshiping. And there they're standing in this territory. And Jesus here broaches the question with the disciples about what does the public think about me, guys? And so Jesus raised the question with the disciples, you might say, in two distinct forms. And the first is this, who do the people here say that I am? And of course, the disciples began to come back and say, well, some people here believe you're John the Baptist. Other people believe you're Elijah. Some say Jeremiah. And still others think you're a really great prophet. And you know what? That's the same kind of response we get in our day. Some people think, well, he was just a good guy. Other people think, well, he was just a prophet. Other people think, well, he's just kind of like a, an Elijah or a forerunner or a Jeremiah. And it's always been that way with people responding to who Jesus is. Some could have hearkened back, uh, the disciples there, to what people said in Matthew 11, that Jesus is just a wine bibber. He's just a glutton. Or they could have gone back with in John chapter 7 where they said, well, this guy here is demon-possessed. And those same kinds of accusations, I kid you not, are hurled to Jesus in our day. We see it all the time. A growing number of people today in our world seem to deny the historicity of Christ. Some say, well, the guy really never even existed. Some say he wasn't the son of God. He was just a nice guy. Others say that his atonement didn't mean anything because a good God couldn't really have his own son to die for our sins. But even people like H.G. Wells, the very well-known uh, agnostic, said in his popular work, The Outline of History, he affirmed, well, Jesus was a man. And this part of the tale, nobody could have invented. People through the years have drawn all kinds of comparisons to Jesus and other people. Some have likened him to Mahat Gandhi. Others have said, no, he's just like Socrates. And they make these amazing similarities that somehow both Socrates and Jesus improved mankind, both gathered their own disciples, both died unjustly, but Socrates, as you know, left this world unchanged, and his teachings, by and large, were really forgotten. But Jesus, on the other hand, departed this world and left the world completely turned upside down, changed and transformed forever, begging the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? We know the second part of the question here, after he asked the disciples, well, who here do you think people think I am? They asked, or Jesus asked the disciples, they said, well, who do you guys say that I am? Who do you believe that I really am? And right there, Jesus put the disciples on the spot, asking them point blank, well, who do you say that I am? You know, I find it interesting that it's only Peter here that responds to the question if you read the text. And notice he didn't wait for a survey. He didn't wait for any kind of poll to be taken or a consensus to be built. But he blurts out there, I believe you are the Christ. 
And as far as we know, the other 11 or those disciples that were with him never did respond to the question. And when Peter finally spoke, he spoke only for himself. I say that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He steps out there and professes his faith in Christ. I ask you today, who do you say that Jesus is? You know, at the end of the 19th century, the engineer, the great inventor, George Ferris, displayed the Ferris wheel. And, of course, uh, you know, when these new kinds of gadgets come out, there's always the early adopters and the late adopters. And I'm told that this uh, Ferris wheel, as it came to be known, was there debuting on a windy July day. And there was a stiff breeze that struck the wheel with great force, and it began to slowly rotate that wheel, but nobody wanted to get on board that thing. No one really believed in it, thought it would work, and didn't want to put their life at risk. And so Ferris called for uh, himself, and this newspaper reported that he had invited to be over there, and also his wife, to get on board and demonstrate this thing was for real. And of course, Ferris began with scientific knowledge. He said, I know I've invented this thing. I know how physics works. I know the science behind it, and I trust it's going to work. And his wife got on board because she believed in her husband. And the newspaper reporter got on board because he believed what they were saying. But it was only after the three of them that got on board and said, I believe in you, that it really demonstrated their faith. You know, this same split in public opinion concerning the true identity of Christ occurs today. Just as it occurred on the day there a couple of weeks ago when we were celebrating on Palm Sunday. The people were giving Jesus the red carpet treatment. They were laying down their cloaks and they were taking their palm branches and they were really hooping it up for Jesus as he strolled into Jerusalem. But not everybody there that day was on board with that. Not everyone there that day was part of the welcoming committee. Instead, they were seeking answers to the question, just who is Jesus? And so I want to press that question to you today because there are too many today who are well-informed experts. There are too many today who really seem to know all the doctrines. There's too many today that are aware of the polity. They sing the songs. They read the creeds. They're so aware of social media and I know a great many today who even for themselves has not gone on the Ferris wheel they have not professed faith in Jesus Christ I say to you who is Jesus to you now if you say that Jesus is just another long line of prophets then you may end up paying no more attention to him than you might say to Jeremiah or Isaiah and if you say Jesus was just another great leader, you might embrace part of his teaching that you agree with and you leave the other parts that you really don't agree with. And if you say that Jesus is just another religious leader like Buddha or Moses, well, you may choose to follow somebody else. But if you say Jesus is the Son of God, makes all the difference in the world. I wonder today, who is Jesus to you? Your personal response to that is what this text really gets at. If you look down in verses 15 to 17, we all face that basic question to answer for ourselves, who is Jesus? 
You know, thinking about reference points, I remember reading an article on the Saturday Evening Post there years ago about the State Highway Department of Pennsylvania that set out to build this bridge over this waterway and they had a couple of crews. One started on one side and one started on the other. And when we got toward the middle, they realized that they were 13 feet off to one side of each other. Each crew, it said in the article, used a different reference point. I wonder what your reference point truly is today. This is the challenge here of every sermon. It's the challenge of every Sunday as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus to you? I know this person one time who was having such a rough time trying to fly. And the story was that they needed, really needed to fly to another city, but they were just petrified of getting on board an airplane. And they knew they were going to have to do it, so they started studying aviation. And they went in research of the safest airline to get on board, which is the one that has the least problems, the least crashes, the safest record. They went to the airport that would have the most direct and the shortest Light. They interviewed all the people associated that they could find with the airline, even talked to some of the pilots, and they went and bought their ticket. But on the day that they were to leave, they simply couldn't get on board. Even though they knew it was the safest, the best, the quickest, they simply stood there with their ticket in hand and watched the plane taxi down the runway and leave them behind. I wonder today, who is Jesus to you? Shall we pray? Well, Lord Jesus, how we come before you here in this Sunday after Easter with the crucifixion and resurrection, all of this fresh on our mind as we think of how you came and changed this world forever and certainly challenge us today with who do you say I am? Lord, may that question really ring in our hearts today. May your spirit have right away in our lives. And Lord, may we give way to you. May we surrender our lives to you and claim you as our Savior. Lord, bless us here as we continue to really struggle in these days. Help us to remain faithful. Help us to remain firmly planted on you as our reference point. We pray and ask this in the name of Jesus, the risen Christ. Amen.